Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. the plan of the Lord stands firm he doesn't change your mind we think sometimes well too much times went by or if it was going to happen it would have happened or I just thought it was got excited one day but you know that's when I was here and now I'm here and since then this has happened and that's happened so there's no way for it to happen now well we'll just keep reading he says so surely as I have planned it will be, and I, as I have purposed, it will happen. Now, you understand what the Lord needs is obedience and cooperation. It won't happen if we're, if we're, we're not, be, not obedient, but uh, he's, he already factored in the mistakes. Anyone here never made a mistake ever before? You lived your whole life and just, and uh, if you are, then see me in the church and we'll cast out the lying devil out of you. But anyway, Ephesians chapter 1, verses chapter 4, Ephesians 1, 4, 5, and 11 says, God planned in advance that all that you were born to do, to be and to do and to accomplish. God planned it in advance. So your purpose in God is complete. Amen. Well, if he's going to stand firm, he knows what it is. It seemed like it'd do us good to find out what the will of God is, isn't it? Hmm? We can, we can try all kind of stuff. But there's a plan. I mean, you, you might be a professional actor or, or an athlete or whatever, but uh, we've only got so much time in life. Let me just, what's this guy, this pastor sent me this. The other day it was kind of funny, but you wouldn't think it's funny. And he, he, he's not anti-athletics or kids programs. Uh, this, he, he, he had a couple in his church that, that uh, I don't know what the sport the kid was playing, but they were praying for him and they were working with him and 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 now he, the kid's so good that they they can they don't ever have time to come to church ever, ever. So God answered the prayer. The kid's a great athlete, but they they they've missed church now for half a year. That would be the will of God. <laughs> and here's what the pastor the pastor had this quote: "Is this accurate quote? There is a zero." Point zero two nine six percent chance your child will ever become a professional athlete. Please get them to church. There's a hundred percent chance they're going to stand before Jesus. A hundred percent chance. So the odds, yeah, work the odds in your favor. Uh, so Isaiah forty six nine and ten, he says this in the NIV. He says uh, he introduces himself. He says, "I'm God. There is no other." I'm God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning 
from ancient times what is still to come. And I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Those are familiar verses. We've read them before. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine says it this way. Uh, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So God's gift and his call on your life is irrevocable. Won't change his mind. Now you can tell him no. You cannot do it. But he hasn't changed his mind. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you didn't get here, and then by the third grade, God kind of worked on something. Before you were born, the plan was already in place, so we know many scriptures tells us that. But Romans 11, 29, once again, says, The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable, but the specifics may change as your purpose unfolds, but your, pur but your purpose is always permanent. Now, we all have, I know I have, I got off track, I took wrong roads, made wrong choices, bad choices, bad, wrong decisions, thought it was, thought it was right, found out it was wrong. Uh, came to God, he didn't seem to be surprised. So it's almost as if he knew it. And uh, it's almost as if God knows the future. You ever thought about that? It's, I'm, I'm studying that out, don't preach it nowhere yet, but I think God knows the future. Thinking he does. So, uh, uh, so I'm not dis. I can't. I can't disqualify myself because I made a mistake, or because it took me three years longer than it should have took. The plan's still there. It's still there. You know, when Jonah got out of the whale after he spent a little time there, where did he go? Nineveh, same place he was supposed to, supposed to went before he got in the whale. Uh, was the was the whale necessary? No. Well, maybe it was for Jonah. I don't know. But uh, I, I never. We, uh, I'm pretty sure I never read Jonah. Never, uh, never having to go through experience like that again. I don't know if the Lord asked him to go anywhere else after Nineveh. But I'm pretty sure if he did, he says, "When, when you want me to leave, gone. Thank you. Three days in a whale." And, uh, and then they, uh, buh, and so, so the plan was still there to go to Nineveh. Well, he still went. Now, without going there, but Daniel 7, and I'm, just, I'm giving the reference for sake of time. Daniel 7, verses 1 through 10, and the Amplified tells us that there are, are books or scrolls. A book or scroll, different translations say it a different way. There's books or there are scrolls in heaven. And those books and the scrolls uh, contain many things, but there's also a book or a scroll of your life. You know, I never read a book or heard someone who had a vision or there's many people like, um, you know, that they died for whatever reason or had an accident and died and went to heaven and they had these experiences that came back. Many, many people have said there's a library in heaven, so to speak, with gazillions and gazillions of books and all of them has someone's name on it. So if you're born again, there's a book in heaven. There's a scroll in heaven with your name on it. And in that book contains your life, what it's to be, what it's to look like what God called, called us to be, what God has in mind for us. 
And one day we'll face Jesus and I'm thinking the way it's going to work is he'll pull the book out and then he'll have the record of our life and he'll have the record of the book and see how well they match. And then that's, that's what we'll get an account for. You, you, if you're a Christian, you're not, you're not going to heaven to give account for sin. I don't know why. I didn't know that for 40 years or so. But, uh, well, 30 years or so. But uh, I thought, you know, we was going to answer for everything. I thought that's why we're going to have eternity. It's going to take forever to go through everybody in heaven and have to answer for everything that they did. And I don't know why. I thought this, I thought it would be a huge old screen everybody would be watching. I never had that idea and that everybody would see it. And even though I'd be in heaven, I knew my mother would still be there. I'm thinking, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to get grounded or beat in heaven. Here I am. Already an adult. But anyway, no, no, the blood of Jesus already took care of that. So he's not coming to judge us. You've already been judged. But there will be there is a reward seat of heaven. And there's things that uh, he'll look in the book and look in our life and see how they match. And uh, and he'll look at the, what we did. And then he'll look at the motive of why we did it. You know, you could do the right thing with the wrong motive. And he calls it wood, hay and stubble. So he says the motivation is not even right. Or if I did it to be seen or I did it because someone heard well that they gave so-and-so or they did this or they did this. So he, he, he only knows the motive of our heart. So if the motive is wrong, it still has no fruit to it. So, but anyway, Daniel 7.10 talks about the scroll. Uh, we, we won't take time, uh, but Psalms 139, the whole chapter is just marvelous. It's just a wonderful chapter. It talks about everything. Everything that I'm that I mentioned to you tonight it talks about God knew you before you was born, before you uttered a word. He knew everything about you, before you were conceived in your mother's womb. God knew you. That's what Jeremiah one tells us. Before you were born, before you was conceived, God knew you. Someone said, "How?" I have no idea, and I'm not even going to take a stab at it. So, but Psalms one thirty nine tells us in detail God knows the entirety of your life day one till to the to the final breath and he had a marvelous plan for us so now whatever happens in life whether it's a setback or a test or a trial or something untimely circumstances uh, we never really ever get away from what god puts in our heart to do i think it was miles monroe who's in heaven now he said it this way he said vision possesses you you don't possess vision. Vision is what possesses us. We don't possess vision or possess the vision. So God wrote down in a book the plan and the destiny and the kingdom for everyone that's here tonight. Every one of us. I like preaching this right here because one day, me included, of course, we're all going to stand before him. And we won't come together as uh a married couple and we won't come together as a church we're going to come as individual children of God and we're going to and we're going to he's going to talk to us individually about our life and uh, I just don't want anyone here to say well he didn't tell me that I'm telling you <laughs> so you won't be able to use that one okay so there's a book and uh, and we'll look at another scripture about that about the books in heaven in just a moment but God wrote everything down, every event in the book, your plan, your destiny, the kingdom for each, each individual.
we all sometimes have uh, maybe maybe even more so when we're younger. Uh, you know, when you're young, you want to be uh, little boys want to be a superhero or uh, do something that's uh, I don't know. See if they want to be Superman or some uh, something courageous. I don't know what little girls want to be when they grow up. Uh, I haven't decided what I'm going to be yet when I'm going to grow up. I'm still finding out. So I'm, I'm still reading that book to see what it says. I don't think we've unfolded all of it, do you? No, we hadn't unfolded all of it. Uh, I think Andrew Womack said uh, he was in the ministry 31 years, and the Lord said, now you are starting the ministry I called you to. He said, do what? You, do what? He said, by, he said now, by this time I already have a Bible college and we're on TV, but we were barely on TV. And he says, and now you're you're going to now enter into the first phase of your ministry. Brother Hagen got that speech at about his 17th or 18th year. He said, I never called you to pastor, Brother Hagen. I allowed you to pastor, but that is not your calling. You think, what? I did something... So it's kind of like God was telling them, Andrew Womack, I think it was 31. It could have been less than that, 24 or 31 years, but it was more, it was it was in the 20s and 30s. The Lord's saying, I prepared you, and now we're going from kindergarten to first grade. You ready? Here we go. And so I remember Andrew said he was kind of, uh, he was kind of uh, happy and kind of disappointed that he had lived and labored in the ministry that long, and then he hadn't got, he got to the first grade yet. Well, when Brother Hagin was in the bed one time and got himself in trouble, he had a visitation from Jesus. Actually, in his lifetime, he had eight visitations. This one was an hour and a half in the hospital. And he came to talk to him about his life and his ministry and his ministry as a teacher and a prophet. And he talked to him about what he had done good. And he talked to him about where he'd missed it. And he says, this missing it, you keep missing the same place and you refuse. And I, I won't tell you what it was, where he was uh, working on him. Uh, it, it had to do with um, the, the, the prophetical part of the ministry as a prophet. Some things that he really was uncomfortable doing. So uh, the spirit of God would lead him to do it and he didn't want to do it. So he didn't do it. And the service was over. And it kept on for quite a while, got himself in trouble with the Lord. You know, you can actually get yourself in trouble. Uh, people say, well, I'm under grace. Well, disobedience, you know, that, that, that didn't pass away. Uh, I mean, o obedience didn't pass away. People say, well, I'm not under law. Well, the Lord still wants obedience, you're right, you know. I mean, just, just, just you know, some of you still raising kids at home, and they tell you, well, we, we, we teach grace here. Well, ask your mother if, if, if you know, if obedience is, and disobedience has passed away at her house. I bet it hasn't. And uh, so Jesus told Brother Hagin in, in that vision, he says, many ministers, he says people, but he, said, he says many people, Christians, and many of my own ministers live and die, and they never even enter into the first phase of ministry that I had for them. I always thought that was sad. Um, that's not that's not what I want to hear when I get to heaven. Do you? You were there for ninety years and you never even entered the first thing it did for you. Well, 
you know, I don't know, I don't know uh, if Colonel Sanders is supposed to make chicken or not. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He became a billionaire through a lot of adversity. But if he if he did, he succeeded at it, and uh, and got America hooked on fried food for sure. <laughs> and uh, he gave the medical people something to do, you know, when it comes to heart and uh, arteries and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so God wrote down in the book the plan, the destiny, of the kingdom for us, and He saw us in that book. And he sees you now. He, knows, he, can see, he of course, sees us in our earthly, fleshy form. Uh, before we ever existed, he saw your days. He sees the number of your days. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head. More than that, he knows he sees the activities in your days. And he sees what you will or will not accomplish. Now, you may not like what I'm about to say, and I probably I shouldn't without... Substantiated. I did minister it a long time ago, and uh, I don't think I'd ever do a series on it because I don't think you have enough word to prove it. Uh, how do you believe God knows everything? Well, I do too, but it, sometimes we, we read things like, well, if God already knew this, then why did he do it? The people of predestination would say, if God knew I wasn't going to choose him, why did he let me be born if I got to go to hell because I didn't choose him? I can answer all those questions for you. There are scriptures that allude to the fact that God has the ability, I'll say it this way, to decide not to know something. There are scriptures that that teach that. There's two or three uh, scriptures. I think two of them's in the Old Testament, or maybe all of them are, but God could choose if he wanted to know. You know, uh, I remember uh, sometimes when kids get older, much older, they're adults. I remember uh, I remember several years ago, uh, we were some of uh, Barbara and I, some of the other siblings was there with our parents, and something came up, and and we said, well, yeah, but that ain't really what happened. That's what we told you what happened. And my mother said, I don't, I don't even want to know it. I don't even want to know it. Just, just let me just think what, what, what you've been letting me think. If it's, if it's worse than what it was, don't even tell me no more. 30 years has gone by, I don't want to hear it. It could be that God reti- uh, decides not to know certain things. Can you see that? Well, I think you would have the ability to do that. And so uh, Catherine Kuhlman always said that uh, her ministry, uh, the Lord told her, uh, gave her the ministry that she had but she said I wasn't God's first choice she said uh, she said actually I was the third choice and she said actually there was two men he called to do my ministry uh, but they both refused the Lord and uh, so he came to her and, and Catherine told the Lord she said I don't have I don't have, I don't have any natural gifts to offer you that I know of she says, but here's, here's what I will do. If, if you want me to do that, I don't, any, I don't know any way you'll be able to do it with me. I, I, don't have, I don't possess any of those gifts that I know of. She said, but if you can take nothing and do something with nothing, then I give you all my nothingness. And the Lord says, I'll take you up on it. Well, 
Well, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if she didn't have nothing, but I'm telling you, this is one woman covered the globe with nothing then, and changed a world. Uh, that was her heart, not not her abilities, right? So <clears throat> we have the book, and it's written about us. And now here's the, here's what the battle is. The battle is to get what's in the book to manifest on the earth. We we, we can substantiate there's a book. But the battle will be, how do I get what's in heaven written about me before I was born, manifested while I'm here on earth before I go back to heaven? I want my, I want my life to, to mirror that as closely as I can to that book in heaven, don't you? You know. I mean, if, if I'm called to be a preacher and I just decide I don't want to do that, and I get into plumbing business, well, I could be plumb out of the will of God. Or vice versa, I could be a, called to be a plumber and I say, ah, I ain't going to do that. I'm, I think I'll be a preacher. Well, I'd be out of the will of God. Either way. You can see what I'm saying? So the battle is to get what's in the book to manifest on the earth. And we, we looked at this before, but Jesus has a book. We all do. His is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 5 through 7. This is the book of Jesus. In Hebrews, it says this. This is that Jesus came in the volume of the book that he came to fulfill what was in the book of his life. There was a book in heaven of Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, who would become a human, come to the earth as a human to die for all humanity. And this is in the book. And he said, I have come. He said, burn sacrifices is never what you wanted. You never really want, you know, God never really wanted sacrifices, animals, such as this. He said, so I came in the flesh, left deity, came to die for humanity as a man to fulfill what's written of me in the book. So there's the book. Amen. Well, it was important for Jesus to fulfill what's in his book. What's in your book? And it came with passion, and it came with commitment. And it came to com uh, completely fulfill what was written about him. Uh, Isaiah 54 through 7, it says, Before the crucifixion, he had to set his face like flint. He, he knew what was going to happen. This is not a drive-by shooting. This is not someone who got murdered one day and uh, they had no idea it was coming. This is someone who knew what was going to happen and knew the time it was going to happen and who was going to betray him and how the whole thing was going to go down. And he wanted his disciples to pray with him because that last 24 hours was some tough 24 hours. And they couldn't one of them stay awake to pray with him. And we know that he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't, he wasn't praying to get out of it. People said, well, he asked the Lord if, it, if he could do this any other way. Uh, I've heard that preached many different ways. I don't believe he was asking the Lord to get me out of this. He, he, he told, three and a half years, he told how he was coming and what was going to happen the whole time. But he had never had been sin. And he never had been separated from the Father. And he, never, he had no idea what that was going to be like to be separated from the Father and didn't really want to know. So if you can accomplish the 
somehow your the purpose through me without me being separated from you can we do this another way nevertheless your will be done so Isaiah said he set his flint he set his face like flint uh, flint is a very hard 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 rock they say it's almost as hard as a diamond so he set his face like flint and then John 1 14 uh, said that Jesus became flesh the will of God became flesh and dwelt among us it says he came to his own and his own knew him not hmm. But to many as would receive him, he would give them the power to become sons of God. So in other words, we say it this way. Jesus was the word, he still is, sent out of heaven. You with me so far? Jesus is the word, still is the word. He was the word. He was sent out of heaven to be born in the flesh so that his physical birth allowed what was written in the book of heaven to be manifest in the earth and he spent 33 and a half years fulfilling what was written to him in his book so anything god purposes god ordains and never changes his mind and uh, it's written in the because it's written the book and the scroll in heaven. So it must be sent out of heaven and birthed into the earth realm before it can become flesh. That's what actually you were. You were sent out of heaven in flesh form. Now you're born of the spirit. And now you're here to fulfill what's written of you in heaven before you left there to come here because heaven's actually your home. You was there before you was here. And in Christ, we're, we're seated there right now. So it could be said of us that before we came to the earth in the flesh form, we were a word written on a scroll or a book. Then when we were born in the earth, we begin to live out your kingdom purpose as it was predetermined in heaven. I think these things... I think I'm saying it's simple enough anybody should be able to get this. Uh, I mean, am I, does this sound complicated at all? I, I do every, I always try to do everything so simple that if I have someone here in their, their fourth grade, they can get this. Um, but I think this, this, what we're talking about tonight is, is major that someone understand this. You know, it's the question everybody asks, you know, why am I here? Yeah, I mean, you ever wondered that for yourself? You say, well, I mean, I'm here, okay, it's Tuesday, and then I'm going to Wednesday, I'm going to go here, and Thursday, I got an appointment, and Friday, I'm going to get my hair cut, and I'm going to grass, you know, and take the baby, get the shots, and da -da, clean the house, cut the grass, you know, back, you know, well, that's that's the earth part of life, but that's not that's not what's in the book. That's God understands that life. And uh, that's just that's just part of our life, but that's not the whole thing of it, you know. And so it's there's there's things destined about you that maybe you never reached that you never reached that crossroads yet. And I don't know why we thought, well, 
you know, we should have we should have been on it in our twenties and thirties or by our, our teens. Not necessarily. I didn't. I I never had a clue I'd be in the ministry until I was twenty nine years old. I fought that till about thirty two. Matter, matter of fact, when I got my diploma from Raymond, shook the Hagen's hand. I was going home to be in business. I wasn't going home to be in ministry. I was going to take what I learned and put it in the business arena. And the only thing I said, I, I, you know, I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. The only thing I don't want to do, I, just, I, I would never want to pastor a church, but anything other than that, I'm open for it. You know what he said to me? Nothing. <laughs> I went home, and I thought, well, I, I want to help people's lives. And I was, went home got back in business again. And when I was in business, I'd come run across people, and I'd tell them what I could tell them to help their lives. And, and uh, last week, I ended my 24th year of ministry and started my 25th, the first week of June, of pastoring, the very thing I was never going to ever do. Hmm. So God kind of has a way of doing what he wants done. Amen. But we have to be willing to cooperate. All right, I just got just a few minutes more. Now, Ephesians 2.10 said that we are his workmanship. And the word workmanship, you ever read that verse, we are the workmanship of God? The word workmanship in the Greek is the word poem. You are God's poem. We are God's poem written down in heaven that has now entered the earth. We are a poem with, with a point. Our lives carry a message that is creative and life-giving. We were a scroll in heaven with poetic power. And so there are books of churches and businesses and networks and cities, states, nations, neighborhoods, all sorts of things. And then there's the interesting verse in Romans, or Revelations 10, verses 8 through 11. John, the, the apostle John, the one that said that he's the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, actually, they tried to kill John. Remember, they, you know, mo most of the disciples were killed or, mar or martyred. Um, Peter was crucified upside down. He, uh, he asked to be crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to die the way Jesus did. Would you just turn me upside down? And uh, others were beheaded. Some were filleted. Uh, many of them dismembered. John, they put him in a hot, hot pot of wax, you might say. They tried to boil his skin off of him. They put him in a hot pot. Like you're going to boil a chicken, except uh, he wouldn't boil. That's pretty cool, right? So if you can't if you can't boil the man, <laughs> so they they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, and he lived sort of on an island, almost deserted for the rest of his life. And the Lord says, "Now, now, son, now we got work to do." So you've you've went to death. You're an old you're an older man. You've already written what the Gospel of John. 
I don't know what the years. I never even thought about it until just now. I should, I should study it one day historically. Uh, when John, the Gospel of John, was written in Revelation, but Revelation is is the book that God chose John by the Holy Ghost. And uh, did John, in his last days, put out some Revelation? I mean, the book of Revelation, right? Like, I mean, like, what does that mean? You know. And so this is what John did in the end of his days. This is uh, Revelation 10, 8 through 11. You can read the whole thing, but it, kind of, it almost says John 8, the book, and then prophesied it. The words came to him almost as food, and he consumed it. Then he prophetically spoke it out, and they were written down. So the scroll from Revelations, many of it has yet to, to come to pass and will be, will be manifest. I don't know if stuff like that means anything to you. It, means, it, it does to me. And so um, uh, we got three minutes. So we're going to want to just go back to those first three or four verses just to remind you in the beginning that Psalms 33, the plans of the Lord stand firm. In other words, I can't worm out of it. I can tell him no and disobey. Then I'll have to answer for that. But God won't change his mind. And so what God's think, saying about you, he'll be saying it tomorrow and he'll be saying it next year. What the purpose of your life is will not change. It'll go through different, it'll go through different uh, uh, manifestations. It'll go through you know, different stages. And... Um, and certainly we can, you know, cause ourselves to stumble or fall. He, know, he knows all that. I think he's factored all of it in, don't you? And, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to probably raise a child if you're going to have children. I don't think that you're going to raise them from, from the crib to the day they walk out of your house without a, a Band-Aid one day, a boo-boo. If they, if you, if if you do that, I don't know. They're that's probably a pretty sheltered life. <laughs> what do you think, boy or girl? Doesn't make a difference. So I think God's figured in all the the boo boos, and knows what's still out there. And I believe we have a whole lot more out there than what we've seen. And uh, it's because we've allowed limitations. Maybe next time we'll talk about how to remove the limitations. But uh, the plans of the Lord about you are firm and they're going to be firm forever this is what you answer for this is what you will answer for and uh, Isaiah 14 says the Lord Almighty has sworn nothing can get in the way of my purpose and what I say it will come to pass as I have planned it so it will be and as I have purposed it will it will happen. So he craves you to fill a purpose. That's what happens sometimes in prophecy. We get a prophecy or we hear something in prayer that seems so uh, witnesses with us or someone prophesies a word to us. Uh, and maybe, it, you know, it, it bears witness with you. And it comes so strong since the way that you, you feel like before sundown it's going to take place. It actually could be a year, two years, 20, 15 years ahead of you. 
which to God is just a few breaths. It really is. So don't write it off just because you said, well, someone said 10 years ago. Well, I have a book about, I have a book of prophecies about me and some of Michelle and I from people who don't even know who we are, do not even know who we are, or they know, uh, they, came, they came to know that we were ministers, or they did know, but they didn't know, they didn't know our names, uh, they didn't know nothing about our past, they didn't know if I'd been to Bible school, or they didn't know anything. They're just standing there and have a word from God. I can think of at least six people who's ministered to me who knows nothing about me. Nothing. And every one of them talks about nations. Every one of them talks about revival in Alabama. Every one of them. I was in a meeting three years ago with uh, six pastors. And at the end, we, they were, we were praying for one another. And, it's, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this about me just to make, make a point. And they were saying... Um, so we, we, we prayed about stuff, and then we prayed uh, for each other individually. And if you had something the Lord sh you know, showed that person that you thought would be beneficial, then there was freedom to speak it. And it was just, it was just ministers. And I was the, as far as in the ministry, I'd been in the, the ministry the least amount of years of anybody in the room. And this was about three years ago. And uh, everybody else had probably been in the ministry 30, 30 years to 50 years. And uh, one of them come up and said, well, you have, uh, the Lord showed me you have this many children. And I said, that's right. And um, she told me, and uh, this child is this. And, I'm, and, what I'm, and I said, what I'm telling you, you already know. But this will just help you know that I heard from God. This child is called to this. And this child is called to do this. And one day, if Jesus doesn't come back, this child will, 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 will take your call and go with it after you're gone. And, and this is the, and she told me if it was a boy or a girl. Well, I already knew, I've been knowing that for three years. So I said, well, what, what else you got to say? <laughs> they said, uh, well, we kind of always see you pastoring in one sense, but kind of going around the world at some point in your life. God's going to use you to travel out to nations, and the nations are going to come. The Lord tells me there's no indication of any of that's working right now. Zero indication. I said, that would be correct. But that time will come. And nations will come, and they'll sit, and they'll learn, and you'll put into them, and you'll minister to them, then they'll know and you'll know it's time to send them out and they'll actually send them to the four corners of the earth. You will never go to the four corners of the earth. But your words and the people you put them into and the books that will go forth and the teachings will far shadow where your feet will ever take you. But you will not go to the four corners of the earth personally. Which I wasn't asking to go. So that was okay. You know, you could write a book. It could be a recipe book. It could be how to build the greatest what, tree stand in the world. It's not just about ministry. 
It's, it's whatever your call is. Well, that, uh, you know, when something gets in print, it can end up anywhere. It could go somewhere that you'll never travel in your, you know, when one time, when Goss, when he was here, he said he, he went and ministered. You know, he's from Wales. He was in England. And he was almost at the, the palace. And he was there to minister to someone by invitation. And when he got there, I mean, it wasn't the family family, but it was those very close uh, to the family. And uh, one prince here, you know, nothing like this. But it was, they, were, they were very close in government. And they said, uh, they said, thank you for coming. We've really enjoyed your books and your teachings. He said, <laughs> he said, what teachings? They said, oh, we, we, we've had this book for years. And we've, uh, we have all these, these CDs that you've been teaching. We've had these for five, five years or so. We've been, we've been, we just never have met you. But we think that you could help us, and that's the reason why we, we called for you. So <clears throat> if the king beckons you to come to the palace and he wants to meet the guy who wrote the book, you're thinking, how could God use me to do that? It's like Yellow told me the other day, and I said, I, I never would have done this. Because he said, can I, can I do the download stuff? Can I do the podcast? And I says, there's just no need doing it, Elliot. I mean, I appreciate that you, I appreciate that you want to. I said, you know, not, I mean, there's no, I mean what, what, what would be the purpose? We're, we're sitting in here in Jemison with 2,500 people in town. Why in the world would we want to do a podcast? I didn't tell him this because he wanted to do it. And, uh, and I really didn't want to do Facebook. I didn't want a visual. Uh, because visuals, sometimes, when you talk to a group of people, I can pick up on a story that you already know about, but then you think, wait a minute, they, don't, they won't know what I'm talking about. So if I say that, then i got to explain the whole thing, and here we go again, and what if I say this, or it's, it's dumb, and I can't edit it out, it's in real time, all those reasons. So I just, I, I remember telling the Lord a year ago, I said, I'm going to stop the Facebook thing. He said, you will not stop the Facebook thing. You will look for ways to increase of getting the word out. You're not decrease. I said, well, I don't like to do this, 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 and this. And here's what he said to me. I told him why I didn't want to do Facebook. And here's what he said to me. He said, get over it. <laughs> and I said, Okay, get over it, get, get over it, <laughs> get over it. And, uh, well, so Elliot said, uh, can, I, can I do it, though? Can I, can I just start taking messages and then begin to build a library, an archive of sermons? And then he did that through the website. And I think he told y'all what a week or two ago. And then just, just from right here. From, from a two-light town in less than two years, not Facebook, and this has nothing to do with Facebook. This is just, uh, what, SoundCloud? People downloading on their computer or their iPhones or, you know, whatever it is. And, and this is not, you know, because Facebook, people look, well, I got, uh, some pastors say, well, I had 485 views. Well, yeah, you, you may, that may have been three seconds. Said so that they might they might have listened to you for 14 seconds, so you can't really 
that, 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 ain't, that, ain't, that ain't much listening, is it? But the, the downloads, in my right ear, like this, this is their, they went in there and they said, I'm just gonna download this whole thing and this whole series, I want, I want all this. And they, they download it from our website to theirs because they wanna own it. So in two years, we've had 30,000 downloads from this place right here. 30,000. Now what's 30,000? Let's just, let's just say, anybody got a calculator on your phone? What's 30,000 divided by, it ain't been quite two years, let's say 100 weeks. 30, that'd be almost two years. 1550 be, how many? So 300 people a week download the word that comes out of here. Somewhere in the world. I, I, I would never have believed that. Never. So I'm always talking to more people than I'm looking at. So what the Lord told me years ago, he said, your voice will go further than your footprint. That's, what, that's, that's how he told me. He told me in a dream, and I asked someone really prophetical, I said, I had th I've had, I don't know why I'm sharing this, I said, I've had three dreams. That's not my deal. It's not my deal. So I'm not generally the person you want me to interpret your dream. Uh, it wasn't because pizza, well, it hadn't been for six months anyway. I ain't had a pizza for six months, but anyway, but pizza. But anyway, uh, I had three dreams uh, a year ago when this Facebook thing, and I was complaining about Facebook. Just, have you, well, I know y'all never complained, but I was. I'm just being honest with you. I complained about it. I, I didn't want to do it. And uh, so uh, I had three dreams in two weeks. And in every dream, I felt someone walk behind me, tapped me on my right shoulder. I looked over, and every time I looked at my right shoulder, it was Kenneth Copeland. And he would said, he said, Get the word out. The Lord told me, he said, get the word out. One time he says, get over yourself. The Lord said, get over yourself and get the word out. Get the word out. So sometimes if you feel like you're not making any kind of impact. And so uh, I called some people and then, uh, and then I had a minister call from another state. And they said, uh, has the Lord been giving you some dreams? I says, yeah. And I said, well, all I'm supposed to tell you is the Lord and whatever he showed you. I said, well, I mean, yeah, you know, I, mean, I listen to Brother Copeland, but I mean, you would think I've listened to him every day of my life. I don't listen to him every day of my life. I don't know why him. Well, I mean, he's, he's big on word, isn't he? Get the, get, get the word out, get the word out, get the word out, get the word out. So anyway, I go back to these ministers, and I'll close here. These ministers said, some of them knew me, some of them didn't. We was in a room praying for each other. And they says, uh, we, we see your hand kind of on the place, pastoring. It's not like you'll be ever be removed from it until a time when you're not uh, called to do that anymore, maybe because of age or whatever, or you just completed that phase of your ministry. But we see your hand on the ministry, but you won't be there for all the time because you're to go to the nations of the earth. This is what all six people have told me who, don't know, who doesn't know anything about me. 
And they said, and they said, and here's what will happen. They said, don't. They said, don't worry about trying to get meetings. They said, you'll have more meetings than you know what to do with. You'll have to pray and ask the Lord which ones I'm supposed to go to. So don't be worried about it. I said, I'm not worried about it because I ain't trying to go nowhere. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not the guy trying to build an itinerant ministry. It's the one who's an itinerant trying to find a meeting. Now, look, man, I am not even trying to find a meeting, so I'm not worried. Really don't want to, you know, sleep at the Super 8 Motel, you know, or Roach Bug Inn or whatever it is. I mean, I'll do whatever God tells me to, just like I believe you would if he told you to. But I says, believe me. So they said, uh, uh, they said, don't worry, he's got it all worked out. Financially, it'll all work out. The timing will work out. And, and uh, there's people that God has already raised in your, in your sanctuary, and they've never stepped in their calling. And as you step into that next phase, they'll step into it, and they're breathing the same air you are. So they're in the room. They're in the room. And as you're raising them up to leadership positions, uh, to be able to to uh, handle the the size the church will increase to one day, and you won't be there, but it'll be okay. But then you'll come and you'll go and you'll come and you'll go and you come and go. But don't. But the other one said, but don't 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 worry about the meetings, and because uh, it, it'll all change. Well, that was that was three years ago. Well, to the Lord, I guess that's about a quarter of a second. I don't know. Uh, so that it was kind of funny. Afterwards, they all got through. We were through praying for the day, and we was in another city. They said, "Well, y'all want to go get lunch?" They said, "They was kidding." I said, "Who's buying?" I said, "I'm not buying. Y'all just prophesied me out of a job. <laughs> I'm not buying all y'all's lunch." <laughs> you just tell me I'm mean, I'm through with you know, and you'll make it somehow. Well, so God has all this plan in advance. So don't be concerned. But if you don't know what it is. If you don't know what the call is, start seeking the Lord about it. You know, just don't do something you can do because you can do it. Well, how did, how did you get where you are? Well, they were hiring. True, uh, it's, it's, it's been proven by people who do this. Um, did you know that some people, uh, some people spend more time, they used to say, picking out a tie? Or a shirt, or a blouse, or a suit of clothes, and they did the vocation that they're in. Now I've done this for sure, and I heard Andrew Womack say this the other day. Andrew Womack said, "Everywhere I, he said, I ask this question, everywhere I go, he says, and, and I have people there in my twenties and all the way up to almost retirement. He said, all, everybody in the workforce, everybody in the workforce." He said, how many of you uh, would do what you do tomorrow with no pay if you didn't need the pay because you love doing it because God called you to do it? I want to ask that question I've asked you here before. It's always less than 10% of the room. So it sounds to me like people are doing, spending the uh, uh, a third of their day or sometimes almost a half a day doing something they would prefer not to do just for the purpose of making money which is the wrong reason for God that gave us to put our hand to something could it be that we have not entered into yet 
or that we never properly sought the Lord, what, what is it that you have for me? Because he'll answer you. He will answer you. And it won't happen overnight, but you'll get started one night. So anyway, I hope that was okay. Uh, <clears throat> I just, it's always been important to me. I think, I think it should be in the pastoral ministry, you know, to help guide people because he said in Ephesians 4 that the, the, the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints. How do I equip you if you don't even know what you're called to do? Well, now everyone's called to do what I do. And, uh, and I'm not called to do what, you, what you're called to do. And uh, there's just some things that, that I'm, you know, my, my gifting and my graces aren't what yours are. But put it all together in unity and we're powerful together because we need one another. And uh, uh, Matt, how long have you been going now to prove with Brother Ronald? Six years. And then you've gone to other countries too, right? So you've, you, you've already done over a dozen trips all together since you started doing missions. Well, you can correct me if I'm wrong and just tell everybody if I'm wrong because I, I might be wrong. But uh, when you were going to Bible school and uh, your second year of school, you and Julia had to pick your elective of what you would get special training in. Jerry, you went in what class? You both went in youth. Did you did you both use that call? Yes, you both you because they taught youth for years. So that's what that's what they felt called to do. I never heard you mention anything about being a missionary in that one time in my life, or the whole time you was at Rama, or for years afterwards. <coughs> I mean, uh, they they had a mission class too, didn't they? But the Lord is the Lord didn't start you there, did he? No. So, <clears throat> just saying, you say, well, I mean, I'm I'm 40 years old, I'm 50 years old, I'm 35. The Lord ain't gonna change nothing now. Abraham didn't leave his house till he was 75 years old. <laughs> Abraham got got out of kindergarten at 75 years old. So, all right, here we go, boy. You finally got a little sense. Here we go. So. I'm just excited about your plan, and I, and I hope that you are. And if you don't know what it is, then you ought to, you ought to just bug him about it a little bit. You know, if, you, if you're going to answer for it, then you, you ought to know. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to start anything. See, it's, it's just as important. If, if I was called to be an associate pastor or a children's minister or the nursery or whatever, whether it was paid or voluntary staff, then I'm, I'm supposed to do that with the same commitment as the pastor is. You ever thought about that? Did you know most Christians don't think that way? Hmm? That whatever you're called to do to serve in the ministry that you're called into, that God placed you there, you're called at least to do it with the same commitment that I'm called to. Now, you might say, I don't know, know about that because, you know, if you're called to pastor the church, you, your commitment ought to be greater. My commitment may look different than yours, but if you're, if you're sent here to help me, are you supposed to be wholehearted or half-hearted? Wholehearted. So your commitment 
to whatever it is you're called to, to do and to be should look the same as mine. I don't care if you're if you're uh, you know you're you're cleaning the two glass doors on the front. You should claim to the best of your ability because you're doing it not as unto me. You're doing it as unto him. And we have excellent people here, so I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that as complaining at all, at all, at all. Just making a point. So, praise the Lord. That's now. Hallelujah.